Welcome to Whiskey and Whiskers Midweek. Uh, Pass the bottle. Pass the bottle. (laughs) (laughs) You asshole. Welcome to Whiskey and Whiskers, episode two version. Fuck you. This is your host, Chop. Gator. Chris. Blake. Whatever. Uh, all right. So, yeah, for those of you that don't know, Pass the Bottle is kind of a, a chance for us to talk about something that we're, you know, passionate about or care about or want to nerd out on, whatever. Uh, it's just more uh, like things that wouldn't come up in the main show, but we want to talk about. And so we're going to put it on the other people to listen to us while we talk about our topics. Yeah. So, uh, where's your host, Chop? Gator. Blake. I didn't. Uh... This isn't something that I'm, like, super passionate about, but it's something that I'm actually, like, doing or into right now. So, uh, I've been reading, listening, that's the truth. I've been listening, because who fucking reads anymore, really? It's a waste of time, dude. And I don't know how to read, so... Bad for your eyes. There's that. It's bad for your eyes. Uh, No, I've been listening to, uh, the book Dune. Um, yeah, so... AudibleTrial.com slash Whiskey and Whiskers. This isn't just a pitch, but I might as well throw that in there. But I've actually been listening to Dune on Audible. And uh, the reason I guess it's kind of current and, the, and what kind of um, provoked me to listen to it is I've tried I've tried several times to listen to Dune. It's like an iconic sci-fi story. And I've never been able to get into it. And then, uh, and I, but I know that there's some value there. And then you, I, I watched the movie... Um, Fuck, uh, it's David Lynch. David Lynch made the movie in the eighties with uh, it's got like Sting in it and shit. Hell yeah, dude! It's awesome, dude. It's so weird and like I've even like forced myself to sit through the whole movie and I still like I'm just like I don't get it. You know what I mean? And I guess <laughs> so. And I love sci-fi. Like I love sci-fi, but uh, I, I kind of felt like the same way like Blade Runner did for me. I knew Blade Runner was a badass like like subject or whatever. Um, I knew that there was value there. I just couldn't like wrap my head around it, I guess. And then eventually it clicked, and I went, oh yeah, this is badass. I, now I get it. So anyway, I kind of had that same concept for Dune, and they're making a new movie. Uh, a lot of people are hyped about it, and the, actually the release date just got bumped, so that's kind of a bummer, but in knowing that, I was like, maybe maybe if they remake it, it'll, it'll fucking hit like it's supposed to. I should listen to the book again. Um... Wait, is Sting going to be in this one, too? I I don't know. I hope so. Me too, dude. That's made the movie, if you ask me. It wasn't worth watching unless... So, in some inter- something interesting about the, the original movie. Uh, David Lynch hates it. Like, the director, he hates it. Um, it's a really weird movie. I think he films, like, this four-hour-long, like, uh, epic sci-fi, you know, adventure... And they edit it down into, you know, a regular movie length. And they, they, all the voiceover shit they put in there. I don't know if, if y'all have watched the movie, but there's a bunch of like voiceover, like internal monologue. And it's real weird. It, it doesn't really hit like it's supposed mm-hmm. to. Um, and he hated that. It, like, so even the director hated this movie, but there's still such a huge cult following for it, both for the book and even the movie. Um, and so. Again, they're making this new movie. Everybody's excited about it. I'm like, let's try it, dude. I'm I'm probably, I don't know, six hours into it now. I'm wow. I'm a pretty good ways into it, and they're I'm just starting to get it. Like, in two ways. One, I'm starting to understand why 
the editors use the internal monologue on the movie, the David Lynch movie. But two, I'm finding more value in the in the narrative because um, there's so much more going on in the book than happened in the movie. You nerd. <laughs> That's like the most basic bitch book person thing to say. Dude, no, 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 no. I'm not... Okay. <laughs> So there's a lot of there's a lot of like there's a lot of intrigue there's a lot of manipulation there's a lot of and you can the the internal monologue in the book doesn't doesn't sit as uncomfortably or awkwardly as the internal monologue in the movie yeah. and you can't it's hard to articulate what people are thinking in a movie versus a book but there's a lot of that and like the whole movie is based on um um like es- espionage or or uh you know, taking what someone else says and, oh, he raised his eyebrow a little bit weird. There's uh, there's these people that are real in tune, Mentats and Bene Gesserits, that are real in tune with how people talk and how people um, carry themselves and how they respond to questions. And they're trying to articulate that in a visual context, and it just doesn't work as well, mm-hmm. right? So this is truly one of those situations where the book, it... it it hits better it sinks in better mm-hmm. and so it's making me interested to see because they have a huge cast for the for this new movie um it's, it's interesting it's going to be interesting to see how they make it work in the new movie yeah i can so obviously i was just bashing on you but uh i can kind of relate that i guess so one of my favorite books of all time that i actually read like a physical copy of on multiple occasions is ender's game yeah and uh don't get me wrong the movie was great it's different than the book like you were talking about that's stephen king right <laughs> no hell yeah <laughs> so uh morrison scott card by the way but uh anyway the movie turned out great for ender's game but ender's game is kind of a there's a lot of action and a lot of drama in ender's game and the book that follows ender's game uh is called speaker for the dead and it's like politics like it's completely fucking different and so like it makes sense that they made a movie about ender's game but i don't think there's ever a way that they could pull off a speaker for the dead movie because it's all like this like things that you have to understand about the world and the politics and the mindset of the people in it and and that's what people are that's what people love about dune is like there's there's these two there's these two family families that have an entire like backstory behind them you know and they have a history of anger and aggression between the two and they're both under the same king who has his own like agenda and it's all it's it's politics there there is some you know some fight some like knife fights and there's giant sandworms and there i mean there's a lot of shit going on but a lot of it is is politics like you're talking about Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what i was saying like i could see how that doesn't translate well because i can't envision a world unless it's like a small indie film or something like that where like speaker for the dead would make a movie versus ender's game and i could kind of see what you're talking about with dune how it's hard to kind of grasp that but at the same time dune is such like an iconic and big sci-fi series that they want to Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think I think Dune has the potential to be a Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Dune, mm-hmm. but it's gotta it's gotta come across right, and th- the book is not gonna hit the masses. The book is gonna hit book readers. Right. Um, if they can make this movie, then you know, and they can get people interested in it enough, then once they're invested in the world, I feel like they can go on and do the other books. Mm-hmm. It's but just like me, 
I I wasn't able. I'm like, what are the what the fuck are the Bene Gesserits? Who are Mentats? How does this person? So the Mentats are not cool with each other. No, they they just you know this one works for this family and this one works. You have to figure all that shit out first. Just like you have to figure out like the Force, right? Yeah. Wait, what the fuck is the Force? <laughs> you have to figure out this world before it's before you can just chill and listen to the story. There's so much more, and that's why I say it, it may be a little bit more of an investment, but. I think it's going to end up being really good if they if they nail it. That makes sense to me, and I mean, kind of like you said, there is a learning curve to a new. A, a That's new, a good way to put it. Learning curve. Yeah. Uh, when you introduce yeah. a new world like that, there is a learning curve. Like with. Uh, uh, I think that's part of the reason, like the Warcraft movie didn't hit super hard. It was because the people who knew about Warcraft were like, "Fuck yeah, this is awesome," and the people who don't know about Warcraft were like, "What in the fuck is going on right now?" And I like. It's kind of that what you're talking about. You have to set up that world for people to want to know more about it and to get the story out. They have to have that world. And so, so I think in the David Lynch movie, he made a movie for the book readers, and they they edited it down into a movie for American like fat people, right? Mm-hmm. And and so he hates it. I'm I'm curious to see where this new one goes because they've been doing epic sci-fi shit lately, right? right yeah. So if if they can do it right. And people are people are receptive to it right now. So if they do it right and it lands, it could it could be great. That's all I'm saying. I can see it. So yeah, and uh, shameless pitch: you should check out uh, audibletrial.com/slash/whiskeyandwhiskers and get your free audiobook. Try doing. That's right. Hell yeah! All right. Well, I'll pass the bottle to myself. <laughs> um, I'm gonna get out of my comfort zone a little bit here. You know, do something. I don't usually talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk about video games, <laughs> next gen consoles. Uh, interesting, interesting, man. We're going to we're going to get to learn about this side of you. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be with you in case you feel uncomfortable. Maybe <laughs> I need somebody to hold my hand. Yeah, we're here so, for you. So, all right, I'm going to deep dive right off, and you know, off the diving board. We're doing it. Deep throat it. Go. Uh, Next-gen consoles. We got the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. And oh, man. My eyes are watering already. <laughs> I just I don't get it. <laughs> uh, so, before... We had talked a little bit about this on the show before, and I was like, ah, oh, the specs are the same. I'm like PS5 for the, the um, exclusives that they have, and uh, I, I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> but... After doing a little bit more digging, um, so it turns out the Xbox Series X has slightly better specs across the board with the exception of PlayStation's like unique hard drive that they have, Um, and it's like double the read and write speed of the Xbox. So ideally, they're getting like a lot faster load times, and um, there are some ideas behind that, but as far as just like raw processing power, the Xbox does actually outclass it. So I can't remember if this had happened by the time we talked about it on the show or not, but another big thing is that Microsoft bought out uh, ZeniMax Studios. And so they own uh, Bethesda is the big one, right? So they have Fallout, Elder Scrolls, uh, Doom. um, And then as an umbrella company, ZeniMax, they have Wolfenstein and uh, like these other like really big gaming franchises that are now owned by Microsoft, right? So now the exclusive rights for... Or not exclusive rights, but the exclusive games for Sony have a competitor and exclusive games for Microsoft. So they up the ante a little bit, right? So now it's getting to be like, okay, maybe PS5 is not the best console f- specifically for exclusive titles. Now you have this other 
exclusivity. And, and don't get me wrong, Microsoft has like Halo and Gears of War and shit like that. I just don't really care about it all that much. Um, and that's just my preference. Can I... Just some backstory that I happen to know. You recently acquired an Xbox 360 and you text me like... <laughs> Dude, I downloaded Fable and I don't like all yeah, this shit. So I'm, I'm getting there. Okay, sorry. Uh, so one of the big things that Microsoft has going for them, and all the Xbox fanboys are like going nuts over, is that they have this thing called Game Pass. And so any Microsoft-owned studio, uh, when they release a new game, it hits Game Pass that day, and it's a subscription service. So if I'm, uh, yeah, so both services have pay-to-play at this point, right? Like online, you know, you got to play for pay for either PlayStation Plus or Xbox Gold um, to be able to play online with different people, right? So Game Pass adds like an extra $3 or something onto that, and you can get Game Pass Ultimate. Now, any game that comes out that's under a Microsoft Studio hits Game Pass day one, you don't have to buy the game. So the next time uh, Elder Scrolls comes out or a Fallout comes out, the people that are subscribed to Game Pass won't ever buy that game. They'll just start playing it the day it comes out. With no change to like their normal monthly subscription service, right? I'm just now realizing that Fallout is in this category. Yeah, because that's a badass game. Mm-hmm. So, I what about he- Bioshock? Who owns Bioshock? That's 2K. So they're okay. they're split. That's uh, same okay. same company as Borderlands. They're they're on both. Um, but anyway, I finally got a chance to check out Game Pass after hearing about it forever and hearing Xbox fanboys being like, it's the best thing for gaming ever. And I got to try it out and it turns out it might be. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Uh, so like you were talking about, I acquired a Xbox One and um, started my subscription for Game Pass, which the first month was a dollar. So I've spent a dollar at this point and I downloaded Fable one, uh, Fable 1, Forza Horizon 4, uh, the Gears of War remaster. Um, I can't even remember all of the other ones. But no Halo though, huh? No, I just I've never been a big fan of Halo. That's but, one that I've never played and I've always thought about. But it is on there, and it made me even consider being like, "Eh, should I give Halo a shot? I don't know." Like, Halo's I can. Halo's fun, bro. I can, and it's fucking on my list of games that I can play now. You know, like, and it wouldn't like I wouldn't have to buy them. And uh, oh, Sea of Thieves was another one, and. Uh, yeah, like there's just this ongoing list, and to add to that, they just rebooted the Fable franchise. They're coming out with a, basically Fable Four, but it's a reboot, right? So they're not—it's not a sequel, so to speak. So all of that stuff is coming to Game Pass. Well, then they upped it up another notch because EA Play is uh, EA's subscription service, and a lot of their like all the sports games, you know, UFC or NBA or NHL, which I don't really give a shit about all that mostly. Um, but all that's coming to Game Pass next month. Like, it's included in that. So, all the sports games, uh, like Mass Effect and Dragon Age and uh, some other big franchises that were last gen, right? Those are all coming into Game Pass also. And now that they have Zenimax, which owns Bethesda and all that, they're getting all that added in. It's about to be a fucking doozy of a, a service. And I'm. it's made me actually consider possibly getting an xbox series x the next gen so dude you're an adult now (laughs) you don't you don't have to decide one or the other you can just like blow your rent money on fucking video games that's true that's true i mean i do that anyway (laughs) but uh no that that is 100 percent valid the issue is that both consoles are sold out everywhere right now all pre-orders are just gone so 
I do have to make a decision at least for the first console, right? I can always get the other one later. Um, but it is, I think it is cool that they're competitive in areas that they weren't before. So now, um, you know, PlayStation had the exclusives and that was kind of their big thing. And now Microsoft was like, well, fuck you. We'll, we'll get exclusives too. And then, you know, so the subscription service for uh, Xbox is awesome. And Sony has a subscription service that is not quite as well put together, but still cool. I think I've talked about it before. Um, and it has a larger catalog, but you have to stream a lot of the games. You can't just download everything, right? I also think historically, uh, hadn't PlayStation led the pack as far as specs? Uh, it's gone back and forth. So, like, I think if I remember right, PS4 at launch was, had better specs, but like the Xbox Series X, or no, sorry, the Xbox One X. Uh, by the way, Microsoft, fuck your naming conventions. <laughs> Somebody else needs to take charge of naming consoles. Uh, but the Xbox One X, so this current generation, PS4 and Xbox One generation, their version of like PS4 Pro has better specs than the PS4 Pro. But I think the launch consoles, PlayStation was stronger. Okay. Uh, but there are other things, like PlayStation 4 also has a VR headset, whereas Xbox doesn't. So like there's kind mm. of a up and down on, on both sides now. But that's what I'm saying, like Xbox is nailing the, the subscription service, but PlayStation is like, well, we have VR and still have awesome fucking exclusives, even though Microsoft is now working on the exclusive games, so now Sony's going to have to like up their game somewhere else. Do something, yeah. So, I don't know. It's cool to see, and and honestly, what it ends up being is I'll probably still get a PS5, and I probably will get an Xbox Series X at some point. But uh, it's cool to see that it, it makes me question, you know? And I, I like that. Like, I want that competition so that they're pushing each other to have better services so that we on the receiving end of all that get the best gaming experience we can get. Yeah, diamond sharpens diamond, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was my rant. <laughs> nice. That's cool stuff, dude. The Bidgey games, huh? Yeah. Like Bid- I said, I'm a little Bid- out of my comfort zone, so I'm <laughs> sorry if I got anything wrong there. <laughs> but Bidgey games? Bidgey. Like the Ouija board? Bidgey? Bidgey bit of vitamins? Bidgey games? All right. All right. Well, I'll the pass the bottle. Yeah. Looks like I'm up. Last guy to drink. Uh... I think it's appropriate to talk about Eddie Van Halen. Yes. This time. Ooh, F. Yeah. Uh, so this is October 7th, 2020. You're a nerd. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He died earlier this week, and uh, it's probably timely to talk about him. Uh, I don't want to talk about Van Halen as a band, but I'd rather talk about you know Eddie as who he was. Yeah, he was great in The Doors, you know? For sure, dude. He had a little stint in The Doors, <laughs> spent some time with The Beatles, really made them a lot better than they were ever going to be. Um, taught Jimi Hendrix a thing or two, and man, rode off into the sunset, started Van Halen. And, Sorry, it was low-hanging fruit. I just <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just obvious. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, golly, it's, it's crazy. Uh, so he died of cancer, right? And... Uh, to me, he's always kind of, I don't know, it doesn't matter how he died to me, but it matters what he encompassed when he was alive. He was a great musician and everything, but he he stands out among musicians, you know? It's just like a cool dude, even. Yeah, it's just, I, I've, I've been trying to think about it, and 
there's just a certain energy he brings to what he does. Like, uh, God, this is corny, but like, like Conor McGregor. He's an awesome fighter, but he brings something extra to the table. Like like uh, Adesanya, he's he's an excellent fighter, but he brings something else to the table that really makes him stand out. Because you can name a dozen guitar players off your fingers, but no, you're going <clears> to... <throat> well, yeah, off your fingers. Well, I got 12. <laughs> something <laughs> happened early on, you know what I'm saying? So that's why you're better at guitar than we are. <laughs> uh, some would think that, but... Just I got a big dick, but we won't go into that. Just uh, the way that guy, when you watch him play, nobody looks as cool as he does playing guitar. It also seemed like, uh, I guess it goes back into what you were saying about him bringing something extra. It seems like everything he touched was gold. Like It didn't matter who was in the band with him. It, they were great together. Yeah. You know? Everybody else became an iconic figure in music because he was there. He was so super serious about everything he did. He treated the band like a business and ran it like a business. And this is what he says. uh, You know, Van Halen didn't just happen in an instant. You know, it wasn't a... They were just kind of good at guitar and got famous all of a sudden. No. They worked at what they did. They put hard work into it. It was their dream, and it became phenomenal because they worked it so hard and made it what it was. They weren't just a a flash in the pan or just a a lucky happening. They worked at what they put out, and it shows. Where does Van Halen fall? I I know you said you didn't want to talk about the whole band, but just him, but... Where do they fall as far as, like, pioneering? Because I don't don't really know how that time frame worked. Where... Obviously, there was the hair and the fucking scarves and, like, rocking out fucking that shit. But were they the first to do that, or were they just kind of in the mix? Were they just the best at it? What What's going on? God, I, I, I never think of them the as... The entertainment value. Obviously, there's the musical value. But. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean, that's when you talk about, like, Van Halen. And really, it was David Lee Roth who was the, the front man, like, the entertainer front of the band. Um, I, I, I know they're probably grouped into that hair band category but that's a stretch for me i don't know why maybe it's because they didn't come through that vein they kind of were in a similar vein but they didn't run with that vein you know i just i can't this isn't white snake or poison or something this is yeah i mean the songs were similar but it's almost like they were trying to imitate what van halen was doing that's how i see that they're like that's so cool we're never going to do that, but we're going to imitate it as closely as we can. And that's what I hear in all those different bands. They're trying to be fast. They're trying to be flashy. The front man's smiling and being all fun. So is the guitar player. But that's because they watched Eddie Van Halen do that shit. They watched him shred a guitar and smile the whole time. Like he was like fucking playing basketball or, you know. Living the dream. Doing Yeah, it's just you don't watch anybody else play like that. Sure, you watch... Stevie cringe up and get into it, but he didn't get both his hips replaced and both his knees replaced because he was doing fucking dive bombs off the stage, you know? It was like... You watch those live fucking Van Halen videos, dude. It's like they're fucking jumping six feet in the air off of amplifiers and landing everybody at the same time, hitting the fucking notes, fucking ripping through solos. Crazy, dude. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, Two things. First of all... What would you say is 
um, the biggest song that he did. The second question, the follow-up question is, what's your favorite Eddie Van Halen shines in this song? Oh, okay. Uh, I think Jump is probably their most iconic song and one that would hit around the world, you know, and, and probably did, you know. That whole 1984 album was like uh, top 40, you know what I mean? It was very popular. Jump, yeah. It's just timeless pop. He played the keyboards in it, right? Because he was a pianist before he was a guitar player. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know that song Right Now with Sammy Hagar? He plays the piano in that song. He does all the keyboards and all the other Van Halen albums. So he's a, he's an accomplished pianist, and in addition to that, a guitar player who's phenomenal. So his best, whatever best showcases him. I mean, you could go right for it with like, uh, like Eruption, that whole solo thing. I really like uh, Mean Streets, and you might not be able to recognize that song off the top of your head. Uh, I'm sure I've heard it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's like. God, rap's a terrible way to describe it, but it's like rock rap from the '80s, but Van Halen style. It's it's cool, dude. It's got like that, like that street vibe, and he does a lot of cool stuff with the guitar that nobody else had done before in that song, and it just makes it sound very unique. So it's just, and watching him do that live, I'd never seen anybody like tap a guitar like that and get those sounds out of it. And that's what's also super cool about him is, like I was saying, he's so serious about being successful at being a band. He got his guitar out of a trash can, fucking like glued it together and fucking drilled holes in it with quarters to hold shit in place. That was his Frankenstein guitar. That's what he like learned and toured with. That was his baby. That's it's cool. Crazy, is, that, dude. is that guitar still alive? Is it around? That one, I believe, is the one that got buried with Dime. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, he like. It's the iconic Van Halen guitar that's got the the red and white stripes all over it. He sprayed it with like a bike paint and stuff, painted it himself. You know, it's all his own theme, his own style. The way I understood it was, so Alex was older than him by about five years. And when they were in high school, Alex was older. He'd go out and party, but he'd always get Eddie like a six pack. And Eddie would just stay home while Alex would go out and party. And he'd listen to Eric Clapton records. And just practice and practice and practice. And he said all his licks are just Eric Clapton licks. He sped up and made made his Eddie sound with, you know, which is cool. I think that's badass. Because look where he, where he got it from. That was like his inspiration. And Clapton, you know, that's, that's phenomenal. But it, look what he took, you know. It's crazy like Clapton took that traditional blues sound, you know, that the black blues sound and turned it into his thing and then Eddie was like that's cool I'm going to make it into this thing you know I don't know if there's an evolution beyond Eddie Van Halen you know I don't know if he took that that blues to the peak it's hard to look you know that's who you want to put on a fucking disc and give it to the aliens this is music from the world, motherfucker. Fucking Van Halen, bitch. You know what I mean? Nice. You don't like want to give him Jimi Hendrix or something. Now Van Halen's going to hit harder. Come on, man. Give him that, you know? Yeah. Sorry. No, I could, I could see that. You don't want to give him Johnny it, Cash, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know. You guys sad or something? No, we're fucking go hard, dude. We listen to Van Halen, motherfucker. <laughs> listen to this shit. Fucking blow your fucking UFO speakers out, bitch. It's going to melt your face right off. Yeah, dude. Don't get too close to the sun when you're listening to it. They have, like, incredibly sensitive hearing, and you just, like, turn it on in, like, a pair of headphones, and they're like, ah! 
Yeah, dude. Van Halen's the shit. It sucks he died the way he did, you know, but again, I think what he brought to the table in his life, you know, goes way beyond that. Yeah, definitely. Like, his legacy will live on, kind of. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's super ironic. So he died from lung cancer. And every picture and every video you see him and he's fucking huffing and puffing cigarettes like a motherfucker. Butt fucking cigarettes? Butt fucking the fuck out of him, dude. <laughs> dude, but he blames it on the metal guitar picks he used because he'd hold them in his mouth and he says that that's how he got throat cancer. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. all the, the drugs and cigarettes had nothing to do with it. <laughs> it wasn't all the booze that made me wreck the car. It was the blindfold I was wearing when I was driving. Yeah. Well, either way, I mean, he's a super cool dude. Uh, we were talking about a little bit. There was a picture of him uh, taking a picture of a kid in front of a Tool concert, and the kid just like walked up to him and was like, hey, can you take a picture of us? And uh, Eddie's son snapped a picture of him just doing that, being a bro, you know? Yeah. And just like, I don't know, he kind of, he has a cool legacy, not only in in music, but also just as a person. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just genuinely a good do- good guy and... Like anybody else, he got caught up in a lot of BS in his life, you know, but hey, man, some good shit came out. Hell yeah. All right, well, I think that wraps it up. The Whiskey and Whiskers website is up. It's whiskeyandwhiskerspodcast.com. On there, you can find links to all of our social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find links everywhere you choose to listen, including Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, and your favorite podcasting apps. We're also on the That's Not Canon Network, so go check out their website and their other podcasts. They're good people, and we're hosted everywhere, or host all of our content on there. So go check it out, and we got new episodes every Monday, new content all the time. We'll see you next week.